good morning or good afternoon, depending on wherever you're at. The time is recording. This is episode 23 of the Restricted Zone podcast. And, you know, I'm with my fellow Cole, the usual crew. Uh, you know, Jamar, introduce yourself, man. What's up, everybody? Uh, I'm glad to be here today. Oh, you know, man, it's all good vibes. Uh, uh, Chris, introduce yourself, man. Yo, how's everybody going? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Definitely. Kyrie, introduce yourself, man. Yo, what's good? What's good? How's everybody doing? Yes, yes. A lot. Introduce yourself, man. What's good? What's good, everybody? So, you know, in this episode, it is going to be basketball, but we're going to do a little recap uh, based off our, our NFL uh, episode prior. So we, we did our wild card predictions, and so far we do. We're going to do a little recap. One game is finished. One game is currently in the works. So the Bills and Colts. Uh, so the Bills win with a score of 24 to 27. Uh, it was a really close game. Uh, we all had our picks. You know, a majority of them picked the Bills. I believe Chris was the only one that had the Colts. Uh, but it was a it was a sound argument. It was a sound pick. So I mean, let's let's do a little talk over about the game. You guys want got any thoughts or takeaways on the game? I mean, I mean, I, I I'll go first since I'm the only one that picked the losing team. Right. But I say even though the Colts lost, they mainly lost off of missed opportunities. I mean, there was a fourth and goal. There's a fourth and goal where Jacoby Brissett passed to Michael Pittman Jr. He just dropped the wide and passed in the end zone. And not only that, but after they scored a touchdown, instead of just kicking the field goal and being down by seven points, they decided to go for two and then convert on it. So it's not like the – I mean, the Colts did enough – they actually did enough to win on the defensive side of the ball because I said it was going to come down to their defense. And I felt like their defense held up their held up their end to a certain extent. I just think it was more so the missed opportunities. I forgot another one missed opportunity is when uh, Josh Allen was going to throw to John Brown in the end zone. And it was intercepted, but they but it was brought it back because it was incomplete pass. Like stuff like that is just all missed opportunities that the Colts could have capitalized on. And it was due to those reasons that they lost. But I still see a lot of uh I see the foundation set. They just need, I mean, this is probably gonna be filled for the last game. So they just need another stable quarterback and this receiving quarters needs to grow. But besides that, the I I mean, I still thought the Colts were gonna win, even though even with everything they had, all the missed chances they had, but I mean, I was wrong. But I still see them as they're gonna they're gonna be a problem. They might be a problem as they can get the offense together. Okay, pretty sound. I mean, that, that's that's a great takeaway from the game. I mean, do you guys have any type of thoughts and you know opinions on the game itself? I mean, uh, you know, a lot. I definitely agree with Chris about uh, the foundation of the Colts. I feel as though their run game and their defense pretty much controlled their game throughout. And I feel as though next year, I feel like either Carson Wentz. Or another free agent quarterback would be a nice target for them, uh, moving on from Phillip Rivers, and then they might be another dangerous playoff team again this coming next year. Yeah, I, just like that's like um, I just said. I mean, like I said, the foundation's there. It's just if, if they just capitalized on at least one of those missed opportunities, they would have been okay. For real, for real. Right. No, definitely. So, I mean, so I want to end off the short recap there. So currently at the time of this recording, the Bills is the winner of the Colts and Bills game. Right now, the Rams and Seahawks are playing. It's the fourth quarter, uh, 23 to 13. Uh, the Rams are up by 10. I mean, a lot of you guys was kind of iffy on this one. It was a toss up, but. Uh, just it was little- never close. It was never close. 
Oh, just a little recap. So, who did you guys pick? Just a little recap. I couldn't make a pick. Yeah, I'm about to say. I had the Rams. I couldn't, I, <laughs> I, I couldn't really make a pick either, but I was I was leaning towards the Rams. Mm, so. I, I was leaning towards Seattle, but they've been yeah, – that's why. but this is why I didn't want to lean towards Seattle for the very reason that they're losing. Mm. It's just it's just sometimes they play like a, a Super Bowl contender team, and then other times they play like the middle of the pack team. And I'm I'm just really getting tired of the inconsistency that they have. So I, I what I what I want to ask is how do you guys think when if the Rams do uh, proceed to the next round how do you think Jared Goff holds up? Uh, it's going to come down to how bad his hand is because I mean I know I think if they make it to the next round they're most likely going to play the uh, Saints right Saints in the first place see? or is it the Packers Packers right? I think it's the Packers uh, yeah. Okay, so I mean Saints, the Saints play tomorrow. Right. Okay. You're right. My fault. So it's just going to come down to how good is that finger. And again, they're going to have to rely on their running attack of Cam Akers. They're going to have to rely on him to try to open the field up some more. I mean, the Packers don't have a top tier defense, but you would need to, but you need to score points, score points against them. Because even if Jalen Ramsey's gun, Devontae Adams, I feel like everybody's going to find a way to get players involved and they're going to put points on the board. All right. So it's going down to if he can just spread the if he can just spread the ball out for Jared Goff. All right. No, we're definitely gonna we're... no definitely Sam, but we gotta move on to basketball. But I mean, so that's a little recap of the NFL in the previous episode. Then we're making the we're going over the basketball. It's basketball uh, this episode, strictly basketball. So uh so Curry, I want to hear all you guys' thoughts on Curry dropping 62. Uh another warrior had did that previously. Clay Thompson did that. Uh, what's your thoughts on on Curry sixty two, and then you know can he lead the Warriors to the playoffs? I also want to throw another question, but I say that toward the end. It's related to Curry sixty two. Um, I'm saying about the Kyrie. Like, what you think, Kyrie Curry sixty two? Do you think that can he lead the Warriors to the playoffs? So first and foremost, I'm not surprised about the sixty two points. Steph Curry is definitely the greatest shooter of all time, and one of the best scorers we've had of all time at the point guard position. But I feel like that 62 was dropped in the because he he kind of had he kind of had he kind of had to you know what i mean he hasn't had to really had had to do that in the past couple of years where he had championship rosters he didn't really have to go up and score 62 for them to win so uh it, it's a good it's a great feat but as far as them making the playoffs i know there's i think they're like fifth or sixth in the west right now it's really all up to the supporting cast because we know what Steph curry can do it's all up to i feel like it's all up to andrew wiggins and kelly uber they simply just got Kelly Oubre specifically, like, really has to shoot the ball better for them to have any type of shot. Um, Jamar Green came back, and I thought that would have added to a little more, like, chemistry or a little more, like, just crispness when it came came to uh, moving the basketball. But they seem to still be trying to put things together. No, that's definitely uh, – no, that was definitely completely sound. I mean, uh, I mean, Mar, I want to get your thoughts on, on, you know, Chef Curry's 62, man, what that means to – for the Warriors and for himself individually. So what's your thoughts on that, Mar? Um, just like Kyrie said, I'm not surprised about Curry 62, but it's kind of harder for a point guard to lead to lead a team. So um I don't really think Steph takes that roster to the playoffs. If he does, I'd be surprised. And if he does, I could see, well, not gonna say I can see, but it would be the eighth seed in my opinion, because I really don't see him making it. But that's just not on, like, Curry because, like, I think Curry can lead a team, 
it's just harder for point guards to lead teams in the NBA because of some of the limitations they uh, they're capable of. And, you know, I definitely want to touch on what you said about point guards leading teams in the playoffs a little bit later, but I want to get Elijah's thoughts on Curry 62, you know, what that means for him individually and for the Warriors as a whole. I mean, what's your thoughts on that, Elijah? Well, I can easily agree with Mar and Kyrie, but I also feel like um, I want to touch more on there the, his supporting cast. And honestly, I feel like his supporting cast has the ability to support him and be able to make a playoff push, but it's definitely going to take time. And I feel like they have a lot of time to kind of develop and kind of mature with each other. And I feel like James Wiseman could be the X factor in that, in that supporting cast. He's already playing well, but I feel like there's a lot more for him to improve, especially on the defensive side and his presence with Draymond on the floor with him as well. No. And that's, and that's, uh, that's sound in itself as well. I mean, Chris, last but not least, you know, just what's your thoughts on this particular you know, Curry 62, what that means for him. Can he take the Warriors to the playoffs and compete? I mean, what's uh, your... so, so to start off, I basically agree with everybody else on throwing, on the fact that, I mean, Curry can get hit whenever he wants to. I think everybody already knows that. Um, I also I agree with what they were saying about the supporting cast. It's going to come down to them. Obviously, just seeing right now, the X factors are going to be Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins. Now, if they do end up making the playoffs, like Mars said, they're going to be battling for that seventh and eighth season spots easily because I just think that – I just still think that without Klay Thompson, they're not the Warriors. Just having Klay Thompson next to Steph Curry just makes that team much more deadly than what it actually is right now. You really can't have one without the other. Now, again, Curry has, has the capability of leading them to the playoffs, but if he does, it's going to be a little uh, – it's going to be like in the bottom half. But – also, I took away from this game, though, I was more concerned with what I saw from the Clippers than anything. Because what they showed me is the same thing that I saw last year in the playoffs. Another, another big lead, and they lost it. And the thing that caught, my, that caught my eye the most was in the fourth quarter, they only scored 18 points combined. And as a quote-unquote contending team, you, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't give up big leads like that even even if it's the regular season i know a bunch of stuff happens i know we've seen crazy things happen we've seen just like um with the when the like well, i think it was yesterday when the sixers lost to the nest without Kyrie Irving and kevin durant and spencer Dinwiddie. i mean, we understand stuff happens but it's just the fact that if you're a contending team you shouldn't let stuff like that happen it shouldn't happen very often and something i pointed out with the clippers was one of the one of the more mo- one of the moves they made that I thought was going to help them out was when they got Luke Kennard from Detroit because I because since he was at Duke I always thought he was like a good I'm not gonna say three and D but he was he reminded me of like JJ Redick not saying he shoots as well as him but he just reminded me of somebody where if he gets going he can come off the screen and shoot the, and shoot it if he gets going it's over and they signed him to a, a 64 million dollar deal he's barely he's averaging under 10 points right now and. As somebody that's supposed to be a key piece of that team, you shouldn't be averaging just 10 points. He's, I mean, he's shooting above 40% from three, which is fine. He's only taking like three, three shots from three point each game. And he needs, he needs to shoot the ball more. So I was looking more from the Clippers standpoint than from the Warriors. But again, Curry can, al- can always get a shot no matter, no matter what. Yeah, and I definitely agree with uh, definitely majority of what you said. So I actually want to go back to what Mario said about uh, as a point guard, 
and just particularly point guards themselves, they find it real difficult leading their teams, especially when the teams are not that competitive or not that great. Uh, I actually, uh, I just want, it's just a few point guards that come to mind uh, to Mark Stevens when he said it. What other point guards you think, uh, you know, they had a real tough challenge of bringing their team uh, into the playoffs and competing when their squads weren't necessarily up to par or, you know, that point guard was obviously the best player on that team. I mean, what well, other we're seeing it right now with Damian Lillard. Hmm, Damian Lillard. Okay. Yeah, CJ McCollum. Yeah, but even before CJ McCollum like became who he was, he was a, he was stuck in Portland, and they just traded Lamarcus Aldridge and Nick Batum. That was like two of the other top players along with him. So CJ McCollum was still dealing with injuries around that time, and he was wasn't really coming into his own yet. So he was still leading those teams to playoffs or near playoff berths. And now he does have CJ, but it's still been a problem with Portland putting the right pieces around them and just championship caliber pieces that are helping get past the first or second round. Yeah, they made it to the conference finals a couple of years ago, but that was that was it kind of seems like a fluke. And I hate to say it because they they barely made it to the playoffs last year and they got knocked out the first round. Actually, that that fluke that fluke point is definitely a strong point, honestly, and that's something that doesn't get talked about. Uh, but yeah, besides Damian Lillard, what other point guards like you know, you know that had you know was obviously the best player on their team, and they had the that tough you know position and taking their team to the playoffs and compete. I got I got a couple, but I'm not sure if y'all gonna like the other ones I had. But I'm starting with saying Chris Paul when he was on the Hornets. Oh yeah, so you could definitely guess Chris Paul. Oh yeah, no, no, that's what I'm starting off with, and just okay. saying that in the same sense that um you know he he was the true leader of that team, and I mean I know Dave West had a was an all-star, I think it was 29, uh, 2009, yeah, which is cool and everything. But I mean, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for uh, Chris Paul, that team was not going anywhere. And even when they got to the playoffs, most times they would just find themselves getting eliminated in the first round. Another one, and this one I'm thinking y'all might not, y'all might not agree with me with, I was going to say Kyle Lowry. And I know he had DeMar DeRozan for a good period of that time. And DeRozan was taking over the scoring low, but Lowry was obviously the leader of that team. But you see, I definitely agree with that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but like, and like, I remember, and I'm just thinking back to about in the, in the playoffs. I remember, I think it was 2014 when they faced the Brooklyn Nets in the first round and lost in seven games. It that the last game relied on Kyle Lowry to go off, and he missed the and he missed the game winning shot. And I just remember just yet the year when they get to the playoffs, they might make it a little further, go to the second round, go to conference finals, but they always ended up losing. So I was just thinking like that's somebody else. He he was trying his best to lead the team, and when he quote unquote led the team. He technically had a superstar athlete with him. So I, I can't – I mean, he was a leader of the team, but I can't really say he led the team that year that they won. Uh, Right, and Kyle Lyra was definitely a point guard, and that never crossed my mind. I mean, uh, Elijah, I mean, so what's your thoughts to, to that one? You know, like what, what point guards come into mind? They're the best players on the team. They got the tough role of leading their team to the playoffs. Um, you can say early John Wall was another one. Ooh, early John Wall, okay. Early and time. probably still now, because now he's in the West, and you don't even know what type of situation this team's going to be in in the future. Definitely. Um, for another one, um, Kemba Walker was for a while in, in Charlotte. <laughs> Kemba Walker. Kem- I mean, Mar. I mean, Mar. Mar used to be really high on Kemba Walker. I don't know how he feels about Kemba Walker now, but yeah, <clears throat> yeah. But that's that's my whole thing with Curry right now. You're just in that situation. And it's just harder for point guards to get over that hump or to like take their team forward. 
And that's just that's just the circumstance he's under right now because he doesn't have Klay Thompson. Right. Okay, that's 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 pretty fair. So we move on to the next topic. Uh, so I'm gonna ask you guys, everyone here. I oh, mean, oh fine. I just I just thought of one more. I apologize. That's oh no, go ahead, go ahead, throw it in there. I definitely want to throw it in there. Who who you? I don't at? know if y'all noticed so well, but Baron Davis is another one. Hmm. Baron Davis. That didn't even. No, I never called. I mean, so wait, just, wait, just from the time both in Charlotte and when he went to Golden State. What do you think about that, Kyrie? You think Baron Davis was definitely one of those point guards who had a tough task leading the team to the playoffs? He had to carry the Yeah, so I don't know too much about Baron Davis' like playoff history, but I do remember the one year the We Believe team, of course, that beat the number one seed Dallas Mavericks in the playoffs. I'm pretty sure that's like the farthest he got. That was like his greatest playoff feat, if I'm not mistaken. No, that yeah, that might have been it. All right, so we move on to the next topic. So I'm going to just ask you guys this. I mean, what was the biggest surprises overall for the NBA this season? Just, you know, eight and ten games in. Like, what's the biggest surprise? Because, you know, I think for me, I, I guess I'll start this off. This is definitely the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, yeah, we knew they'd be a, a, a contending team for the finals, but their defense is number one. They're practically a top six uh, inside every type of uh, defensive category and it's just crazy to me how this team is really doing well defensively offensively hasn't been the issue so far uh our rookie Tyrese Maxey just shot a career high uh and that's crazy I mean so far I'm definitely surprised with how well the Sixers are doing defensively that didn't really come across my mind a lot of you guys I mean I just want to throw these guys out so what do you think uh, the team's defense contributes to is it because of Doc Rivers uh is it because you know like what what's your opinion on that I mean Kyrie go ahead and tell me what you think about that I mean, so, well, first off, I can't really agree with you about it being a surprise because I feel like I feel like that's more expected of the Sixers, especially with the, the personnel that they have now and, and, like, the fact that they've been a playoff team for the past couple of years and haven't made it far. So I feel like this is kind of expected. This hot start has been kind of expected. Right. Um, As far as their defense, I feel like I, I feel like the Sixers always had a pretty good defense because Joel Embiid is a great paint defender. Um, when he's playing, when he's healthy, and when he's motivated, Ben Simmons, he's been getting better and better at uh, on the perimeter guarding guards and stuff since he's coming into the league, and he's always had that athletic ability. So I feel like their like their main defensive cornerstones has always been them, and then you have glue guys like Danny Green off the bench who who's a pretty good defender. He's a great three and D guy. So I think with Embiid and Simmons and just y'all supporting cast, I feel like that's like just the depth and the length that you guys have is a big part of y'all defense. All right, definitely, definitely. I mean, so I mean, that's just the, I mean, that's just my uh, well, my that's my biggest surprise for number one. Number two, if we really gotta do a runner up, is definitely the Knicks. How well the Knicks are playing. Uh, that, that was my surprise right there. Well, yeah, definitely. So I mean, I mean, I'm gonna swing it off to uh, uh, Kyrie, and then you can go ahead and tell me uh, your biggest surprise and and why why is that your biggest surprise for them being so sorry. So it's been the Knicks so far, but mainly it's because of Julius Randle and how well he's been playing and how well his play has been contributing to their winning. They uh, just came off a three-game win streak. Um, they lost to OKC last night, but so far during the season, Julius Randle, he's averaging 22, 12, and 7. And that 7 assist shows me, like, when the the doubters and stuff last year were talking about, oh, he stops the ball a lot or he's a, he's, his ISO game doesn't really fit with the Knicks because it, it stops the ball and it stops the motion and everything's like just revolved around him. But he showed more of a willingness so far this season of getting his teammates involved, especially in transition where he like, that's his bread and butter, whether he's taking it himself and getting the foul or getting the bucket or find, he's getting better at finding people um, like on the wings and cutting alongside with him as well. So that's really been one of my biggest surprises so far. I think Julius Randle 
uh, maybe in running for most improved player, most improved player right now. No, I mean he definitely should. I mean, uh, I mean, Chris. So, what's your biggest uh, surprise so far from the NBA's NBA uh, season? Uh, well, just, well, just like Kyrie said, and basically for the same reason, I'm very surprised by the New York Knicks. Um, I didn't expect them to come out the gate as high as they did, and I know it's still early. I'm not, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but I'm just impressed with what they've done so far. Uh, Tom Thibodeau's put a, put a system in right now, and you can see it's working. Um, he, a nice defensive-minded coach, and they're playing better on defense now. They are playing better on defense. They're sharing the ball more offense. Like Kyrie said Julius Randle, he was known to be a ball hog. He stops the ball, kind of like what they said about Carmelo Anthony. And now he's averaging seven assists this year, which is a career high for which is a career high for him, average wise. So they're definitely working. I'm, so they're definitely working um, on that stuff. I know it's in that five four. I know it's too early. Um, somebody else that I'm really surprised about is Jeremy Grant for the Pistons. Now I know the Pistons are I know the Pistons are terrible and they ain't gonna do nothing, but I did not understand – I fully understand the value of Jamie Grant being in Denver until I saw what he's done so far. And if we're talking about most improved, right now I would take him as the most improved player because he's averaging 25 and 6 right now, uh, 6 rebounds. But I mean, he's, but he's like he's, – he's turned into like that guy. And I'm not saying like he's a – superstar talent but he's turned he's developed into an all-star he's developed a jump shot he can do a pull-up he can any single drive and duck on your head if he wants to and now i'm upset that the nuggets got rid of, didn't try to bring him back or didn't give him more money to come back to and instead held on to paul Millsap because i think he would have fit better in that stretch four than paul Millsap is right now especially looking at the stages in the career they're in those are so I I think those would be my two biggest surprises right now I love the fact that you brought him up, too, because being a Syracuse fan, I've been keeping up with him since college. He's always been one of my favorite Syracuse players. And I felt like he was a steal for the Sixers when he was with them, and he was a steal for the Thunder when he was with them, too. And the Nuggets just seemed like they took an L on him, too. So I feel like teams, I don't think the Pistons are going to keep taking an L or go to take an L with him like like they did. I think they're going to hold on to it for a long time. I mean, they should, but at the same time, looking at the value – he should want more than to be on a losing team. He deserves to be on a on contending team because he can contribute. Or if, even if not a contending team, just a team that's heading in that direction. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, but I, I always appreciate players that, like, that take the initiative to go to rebuilding teams and try to be that guy there. Makes sense. No, that sounds that – sound, no, definitely, man. And uh, I definitely want to touch on uh, – well, actually, Elijah, before we touch on that, Elijah, I mean, tell me, what's your biggest surprise and takeaway from, from this NBA season? I mean, what, what's your biggest takeaway from the season? Well, I wanted to uh, basically touch on more on the Jeremy Grant situation. I like why Chris brought him up. So, basically, I feel like the Nuggets completely failed on their offseason moves, strictly of moving him and giving Paul Millsap that, that extra money. So, and honestly, I feel like that will kind of cost them in the playoffs because Paul Millsap, this usage is very – it's not as useful anymore as it, as it was like when he was on the Hawks or early on in, in, his, in his Denver years when he first got there. Um, now, for my team, they're not doing as great, but they're definitely improving, and that's the Sacramento Kings. And I believe the addition of Tyrese Halliburton was great. And I like what you said. Extra money. The, the extra money they gave De'Aaron Fox is looking like it's well, but the one thing I'm upset about is the Marvin Bagley situation that recently just yeah. happened. Um, now, I'm a huge Marvin Bagley fan, and I, I would like to see him leave. But I feel like 
the core they have now, I feel like they can at least try to build upon at least one or two more years before they make a move. But it looks like th- that'll happen a lot sooner than we think. No, and definitely, um, and I definitely want to touch on like, like I said, like I, one of my biggest surprises would be the Sacramento Kings too, but they, they've been losing the past couple of games. But De'Aaron Fox has definitely been like a one. Oh, you could also throw in another point guard with the. I, I mean, Chris, would you say De'Aaron Fox is the best player on the Kings team? Oh, absolutely. But right. it's too early. But it's too early to put him in that conversation that we were having earlier about just leading teams. I mean, he really hasn't experienced anything yet. Okay. Okay. All right. Sounds fair. Sounds fair. All right. So, you know, we're gonna move on to the next. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa we get we hear Mar real quick. Oh, Mar, uh, go ahead, Mar. I mean, what was your biggest surprise to take away? I have the same reasons as everybody else. Wow. I mean, everyone. All right, on the same money, same money. So, uh, we're gonna move on to uh, the last one: uh, John Collins and Trey Young. Versus Jamal Murray and, and Jokic. I mean, who you think? Who you think between those two duels in the next five years is going to be the better duel? I mean, this is going to be a lot. I mean, I want to throw this up uh, Elijah ways. I mean, what you think, Elijah? Um, just for the simple fact now that the duos, the current duels, the current more successful duo, uh, Murray and Jokic, but I feel as though the potential of Trey Young and John Collins is very high, and I feel like with the improvement. Uh, Trey Young is also is being the biggest notice, but John Collins is under the radar. His his improvement has been great, getting greater year and year after year and year. He's he's been playing. I feel like now he's kind of based himself as a. a I guess you can consider him a pot, uh, power four. So he's about to, a top ten power four in my opinion. Top, all right, top ten power four. Uh, yo, Mar. So what's your so what's your thoughts about John Collins and Trey Young uh, versus Jamal Murray and, and Jokic? Who you think will be the better duel in five years? Um, I'm going to go with Trey Young and John Collins because John Collins, yeah, he's, he's improving every year, and Trey, we already know what Trey Young is. So I just like the way John Collins plays. I'm kind of leaning more towards their way. That's the simple fact about it because, like, Jamal Murray, he's great in that system, and he's, he's like, perfect, but I still feel like I would take Trey Young and then John Collins just – like they just work perfect together. No, that seems pretty fair. I I, I definitely could see. It. I mean, I mean, Chris. I mean, what's your thoughts on uh, John Collins and uh, and Jamal Murray and Jokic? I mean, what's uh, your- so kind of like Mar? I'm going to lean towards in five years. I think uh, they're going to be. I think him and John Collins, if they stay together, they're going to be the better duo. Even though I'm a big fan of Jokic and Murray, I'm and I feel like they're going to stay together, but. It's just the fact that um, I think John Collins is the improving and developing quicker than Jamal Murray is, because the thing is with both duos, there's already one, there's already one All Star, for fact, for both duos. The other one is just the co star. But the difference is, I didn't really see Jamal Murray break out until the bubble, so I know what he can do. But I just want to know if he can continue to do that. Not saying he got to go out there and drop thirty and forty every night, but it just. I just want to be consistent. So, like, if you're going to consistently get you 23 to 25 points a game, consistently do that. Don't go. Don't give me 25 points one game, but then give me, like, 15 or 16 the next. And I think that's the difference right there. Because even though um, – because even though – that's the difference between these two duos. Because even though um, John Collins isn't a big stat guy, say, when it comes to scoring, I know he'll he will get you at least – 
17, 18 points per game for sure. And maybe 11, 10, 11 rebounds. And not that, but he's he's developing his game now. So he's working on a jump shot, but he can but he's working on a post game, but he can still go down there and dunk on your head. And I'm really liking the chemistry that him and Trey Young are developing. So if they stay together, I think in five years, I think the Hawks the Hawks duel is gonna take over. All right. That no, definitely. So I every sound argument you guys made for John Collins and uh and Trey Young, pretty sound. I mean, so far it's looking like a pretty unanimous. I mean, Kyrie, are you going John Collins and Trey Young in between the duo. So I'm actually so everybody made really good points. I can see why they would go Trey Young and John Collins. I said like that's a great duo. Um, I, I, I love Trey Young and I love John Collins since he was coming out of Wake Forest. But I see I'm gonna go with Jamal Murray and Jokic because simply because I see them lasting as a outlasting uh, Trey Young and John Collins as a duo. I don't know if you guys know, but. John Collins recently just turned out a $90 million deal from the Hawks, a contract extension. So um, I don't know if there's going to be some type of dispute there. Maybe they come to uh, an agreement somewhere. Maybe he uh, he takes uh, less than what he's asking for. I don't know. But I feel like Jokic and Mercedes, they're kind of already established there in Denver. And they're, Jokic is obviously the best center in the league. And they've kind of got their spot in the West as like a top three, top four team already where the Hawks are still – looking to make themselves a playoff team. And I feel like Jamal Murray, um, the better, like like Chris was saying, the more he gets consistent, like I feel like the better he will, he'll, he'll become. And like the more of a dangerous scorer he'll become. And Jokic, he's already versatile enough and his game's already set to have him last for years because it doesn't rely on athleticism. It relies on strictly on skill and, and knowledge. And, and that's that. Wow. Okay. So I, th- I thought it'd be, be a unanimous decision with uh, John Collins and Trey Young, but I guess we got someone on, on you know, Jamal Murray Yoke. So I actually want to touch on everyone that picked on uh, John Collins and Trey Young. So there's been a report uh, the Hawks had a team meeting. John Collins was pretty upset with the Hawks running the offense through Trey Young, which a lot of people believe, you know, is the star player as they should. You know, John Collins feels like he's the offense should be run through him, or he should have, you know, a good line share of the offense. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? It seems like it's a little bit of an issue between the, uh, John Collins and Trey Young. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, everyone that picked uh, that duel. I mean, uh, Lodge. Oh, you want to go ahead, Chris? Yeah, because I didn't hear about um, John Collins turned down that contract extension. That's kind of that's kind of shocking to me. But And, I mean, again, the same with the report. I mean, I didn't know about that until – not too long ago that John Collins was having some issues with the Hawks. And it kind of makes me nervous about everything that I've been saying about them now. Cause I remember in past episodes when we would talk about the free agency moves they made and I was high on the Hawks because I said that the moves they made put them in contention for not, not right now the playoffs. And if they groom together, stay together for a couple of years, potentially contenders, but it could be, it's going to be difficult if John Collins is having issues, even just have issues. So this comes down to now, I think just, I think it's just young guys just thinking that they're bigger than they are. And by that, I mean, basically it's kind of like with the Kyrie situation in Cleveland, how he wanted to be the face of the team. And then LeBron came over. John Collins came, went there to Atlanta before Trey Young did. And Trey Young just kind of took over. Now, it's just he, now I think John Collins just has to humble himself and had to just deal to live with being that co-star because nothing wrong with that. He's still going to get his touch. He's still going to get his shots, but maybe he feels like he deserves to be a franchise player. 
And I've never seen him in that situation. And I'm excited for it, but I also don't want to see him leave because I feel like he's in the perfect spot right now in his career. And definitely everything you made was pretty sound. You know, I definitely want to see John Collins and Trey Young. That's definitely like a young and an up-and-coming duel that can make major noise in the East. I mean, Kyrie, what's your thoughts on the you know, John Collins having issues with the Hawks playing through Trey Young on the offensive man? What's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I honestly didn't know about that until you told me about it earlier uh, earlier on today. Um, like Chris was saying, I feel like any type of friction that you have with your top two players right there is is just – not good for any duo, any up-and-coming duo is that. And the Hawks, like I mentioned before, they're still trying to make the playoffs. They're not an established team already. So if your nucleus already has, like, a problem, already has friction like this, it's not good for the other team's developments. Because you know you know how locker rooms are. Locker rooms can get clicky or guys can start taking sides. And it's just not good for that that Hawks team that we've been raving about all offseason. So – um, and that's why – that's why I'm leaning towards uh, Jamal Murray and Jokic because they're already established and they already know their roles with inside the team. And Jokic, by nature, is already an unselfish player. Um, we see it through his game. We see it through his, uh, like, the two-man the two -man system that kind of run with Jamal Murray. He has no problem letting Jamal Murray run the show. So that's why I think they'll outlast the Hawks' um, young duo. No, definitely, and 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 just on that itself. So, I mean, you got to worry about uh, that, you know. But hopefully, they they work on the issue. I mean, what's your thoughts, Elijah? You know, John Collins wants a much more wants more offense running through him than Trey Young. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? I think my thing is I don't think the problem is strictly with Trey Young because if you really know Trey Young, his game isn't based off strictly him scoring the ball. He likes to get his his. his the players around him as well. He enjoys that the most. So if you look at their starting lineup, they have two up-and-coming other pro pro prospects and more projects and, and Devin, uh, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. And those two are both upcoming offensive stars and have the capability to become very offensive weapons. So I feel like it's more of that and maybe his role in, in, in being – incorporate with all of them. But I also feel like in a situation in, he should be able to be grateful and, and kind of realize that what kind of team he has around him and how successful they can be in the future. So hopefully after this season gets finished and, and during the offseason, he'll kind of realize that and kind of make his move off that based off that situation. Right. Definitely sound argument. I mean, I mean, I'm going to swing it off to you last, Mar. I mean, what's your thoughts on John Collins and Trey Young's little – you know, the little issue. I mean, you think it's something that they could just overcome or, you know, you think that it'd be a hindrance for them uh, throughout the whole season? So, so what do you think, Jamar? Um, I feel like John Collins, I don't think John Collins will let him, I don't think it'll, like, mess up their play this season because I feel as though if he wants to leave since he turned down that contract, it could, it could, like, other teams may look at him another way, or like you said, it may start something in the locker room. And I don't think he really wants that to happen. I just think he wants um, a change of a change of plans. I don't really think he wants to change the scenery. He just wants to change the plans. So I feel like they'll just figure it out uh, during the season. I don't think it'll let them affect their on court play. But when you have an issue like this, it really is a problem that you have to, um, you know, solve right away before it before it becomes bigger and um, starts messing with things that don't need to, that it doesn't need to be messed with because it's already an issue right now. So this is something you're one and two have to, 
you have to talk to them and you have to figure it out and you have to see what can you do that everybody can come to a compromise. No, def- and, and definitely everything you said was definitely something that, that's been tested at least by one person. Each had their own points. You kind of summarize it up. I mean, honestly, um, so far, uh, I, I think the Hawks, the Hawks, I think John Collins and Trey Youngs know exactly what they have, is, uh, that what they could do potentially and that, you know, uh, he'll probably put it down just for the, like, the bigger picture. But, um, I mean, so far, that pretty much concludes right now the NBA, uh, what we have planned for the topics covering for this episode. Uh, we will go back uh, to uh, football in the next episode, uh, basically a recap of throughout Saturday and Sunday, uh, the NFL wildcard games and based off our predictions and our takeaways from each and every single game. Uh, and then we'll definitely continue more with more contact throughout the week. So I want to thank everyone here for, you know, joining this episode. Thanks a lot, Kyrie, Chris, Jamar, Elijah. Appreciate you guys coming on. This hold on, hold on one second, one second. Before we end, I know I know with some basketball, but I was thinking about this as a football one that Mar um, told me a little bit earlier. If everybody wants to answer it, it's cool. What? You know? what, what, what? Yeah. What is it? So Mar was talking to me about uh, Deshaun Watson and Josh Allen, and he, and he showed me something that um, Shannon Sharp was saying about Deshaun Watson on his on uh, Undisputed, and he was talking about how Deshaun Watson went to the San Francisco 49ers. It will be over there, be a Super Bowl contender. So he's already calling him a top five quarterback. Do you guys think he's top five, or do you think he's over Josh Allen? Deshaun Washington, the top five quarterback. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, mm. He said if he plays with Kyle Shanahan, he could be an MVP in two years. Well, I could see the Kyle Shanahan, but I, is he a top five quarterback now? I, I don't – man, that's tough. I mean, just off what he's done this season, if you want to look at what he's done this season, it's like, man, I mean, you look at his stats, you could you, – some people would put him at top five. I'm just not yeah, sure. Bums too, though. What happened? Did that with bums too. He did that with yeah, did that with you know. So man, if you want to go off just the stats he's done and what he's done, even though Will the- Fuller is not a bum, stop it. Okay, that's just based on what he had the year before, bro. Come on now. I I, I listen, listen, you just said, uh, I I heard what you said. I'm agreeing with it outside of Will Fuller. That's the exception. Yeah, well, Fuller, uh, he's definitely not. They both leaving though. They both want. They would both want to pill though. I mean, there have been talks. I mean, Deshaun Watson. Supposed, I mean, there were talks that the CEO of the Texans going to talk to Deshaun Watson. I don't know when that conversation is going to happen or what they're going to talk about, but I mean, maybe maybe they can work something out. He could stay. I don't know. I mean, Mar. I mean, so so. I don't see why he would though. <laughs> Do you think uh, Deshaun Watson a top five quarterback, Mar? No. All right, so who who is your top five quarterbacks right now? Like, give me a list. Um, Aaron Rodgers, one. Okay. Patrick Mahomes. Uh huh. Two. Josh Allen. Mm, Josh Allen. Yeah, this isn't this is no order. Oh. Okay. Tom Brady. Okay. That fifth spot. I want to say Russell Wilson. I don't, but I don't like the way, like I don't like the way he ended his season. Would you? What's the problem with Deshaun Watson though? I wouldn't be a problem. It wouldn't like I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anybody was like saying anything wrong if they put Deshaun Watson fifth over Russell Wilson. 
right. So do you I, think so, the Deshaun Watson Josh Allen argument is close, or is just like you definitely think John, Josh Allen is better than Deshaun Watson? No, I think it's close because um, Will Fuller missed what like the last four games of the season. So what happens? So I mean, like, and Josh Allen has Stephon Diggs. So, but it's like they both increased because Josh Allen was dead last in um, completion percentage in the last two seasons. This year he was fourth, and Deshaun Watson, like he was, he he led the uh, led the NFL in passing yards, and he had a crazy season. So I mean, it it is close. They would have to be the fifth spot. Like either one of them would fill the fifth spot, but I'm just taking Josh Allen. All right, all right. So, but let's end off the episode on there. We'll definitely contain that on the next uh, episode. But thanks a lot, you guys, for tuning in uh, on episode 23 of the Circus Zone podcast. Thanks a lot for everyone listening to us. You can follow us on Apple, uh, Google, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Podbean. We will have a Podbean in the future. Uh, it will come. You can also follow us on Instagram at uh, the Restricted Zone Pod. You can follow each and every one of us individually. Uh, that'll also be under the whole description and the link. Uh, and thanks a lot for tuning in. So be safe and have a great day, everyone.